Hey everyone, I'm Sari. And I'm Sean. And we're the Simpsons siblings. We are lifelong fans of the Simpsons. Joking about it and quoting it all the time. So uh, we thought we'd make a podcast. This is our very first episode. We're very happy to have you here. And uh, we'll just jump right into it then. The episode we're talking about today is Bart versus Thanksgiving. This is season two, episode seven, originally aired on November 22nd, 1990. It was directed by David Silverman, written by George Meyer. And Sean, you want to go with our chalkboard and couch gags of the day? Yeah. So the good old Bart chalkboard scene says, I will not do that thing with my tongue. So I was just wondering like what he was doing, if he was like clicking his tongue or yeah, making Bart. weird expressions with it. Yeah. And, and Lisa going, <laughs> Bart, quit it. Mom. And then at the end of the opening, we go to the classic couch scene where Grandpa is sleeping. The whole family runs in, and he's scared awake. And his voice sounded a bit different. He kind of mumbles some things that kind of quite sound like just grandpa. like general Grandpa noise, like that. Probably sounded nothing like it, but you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean. <laughs> but it just didn't sound like the usual Grandpa. But I, the characters are still there's still a little bit of frosty chocolate milkshakes going on here with Homer's voice and everyone's voice. Like they're kind of easing into their voices but they're not quite where they're at now which i always loved that description for it because if you hadn't heard like the old homer <laughs> like, i'm homer from frosty chocolate milkshake but then like once you hear that as a description for it it's yeah. like perfect it's the perfect description yeah so going into the actual episode I'm really surprised how much the animals are cuddling in this. Like, Santa's little helper and <laughs> Snowball are like this. And I'm making the crossed fingers symbol. Like, It's funny because I almost wrote that down in my notes, but it still stands out that, like, they're... And like, they you see them be, several times, they're too. being They're usually friendly with each other, but this time they're, like, cuddled up in a ball. Like, I, I don't know the couch. if they were still... Like, this was season two. I think they're still trying to figure out what everyone's relationships with each other are going to be. And... They're like, sure, let's just, you know, they freaking love each other. And that's really weird to me. And then, of course, we've got Marge degrossing the turkey, de-innerding the turkey, whatever you may call that. And the kids are fighting over glue. I thought it was funny that Maggie's just sitting there watching the guts go. <laughs> like, Marge doesn't try to protect her from that or anything. She's just slopping guts baby, on the table in front of the baby. That's how she gets desensitized. That That's how she gets to shooting Mr. Burns later on. <laughs> it's just, she's seeing the guts and she's like, hmm, I want to see more guts. And that's where she turns. That's <laughs> the whole origin there. story. There you go. I feel like Lisa's reading that Cosby book on parenting from the the soapbox derby episode because she she turns the reverse psychology pretty well on Bart here with the hey man I don't want your stupid glue and he just plays right into it too. oh yeah yeah he just falls right into the trap just right there he bees in the trap <laughs> so I liked when Homer was watching the TV and the kind of banter back and forth with the the newscasters. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote I wrote it down. <laughs> Looks like old Bullwinkle got a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> Did what I just say make any sense? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I just wrote down, what are you talking about, Bill? <laughs> I, I like yeah, like they always take it that one step further. Like mm-hmm. after that where he says, No, not really. Now I know how the pilgrims felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like 
It kind of reminds me of the Arnie Pie and the Sky banter a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and the well, and we had just recently watched the video of the Barney float that actually deflated in was it ninety seven? Yeah, it was nine. It was funny. That was just. That day, mm-hmm. we were watching that video, mm-hmm. and then that night I sat down to watch the episode, and first thing that comes on is yeah. the floats going through, <laughs> hitting the light pole. It's just amazing how things line up like that. Well, and the thing is, too, that video was from 97. This episode was from 90, so were they predicting the future? Which is going to be a future episode. <laughs> I thought it was funny how Homer has to explain Bullwinkle to Bart, and now I'm explaining... Bart to my child. Right. <laughs> and it's like it, there's all these generational steps so that everyone has to explain their childhood characters to their own kids. I don't know. Did you catch that little Simpsons making fun of itself when they're watching the TV? With with the float, the Bart float? Yep. Yeah. I loved it. It was, it was fourth wall breaking too, having that on there. Just like they, they were kind of looking at you saying, hey, you know about this. Yeah, whereas um, Homer says, there's a balloon for every flash pan cartoon character out there. And then Bart's on there for like half a second. Yeah, And yeah. I had honestly never noticed that before. Oh, really? I'd noticed it like once or twice before, but it does happen pretty fast. And it, it's kind of funny them referring to themselves as a flash in the pan cartoon. Because they were in season two. They had no idea how long they were going to go. They had no idea. No idea. Here we are 30 years later. Making a mm-hmm. podcast about them and they're still running. Yep. There was a sweet moment between Lisa and Maggie that was a little unexpected. And it's this whole scene, too, where it's just her kind of letting her help her make the centerpiece. And there's not really any gag there. It's just kind of a nice little moment between the two of them. You don't really see a ton of Lisa-Maggie dynamic. I-, I thought it was a little cute. Yeah, I liked how she had spent so long working on that, making it so perfect. And Maggie comes up and scribbles on it, and she adores it. Yeah, I thought that was really – she could have gotten really mad, but I think it shows a lot about Lisa's character. It's not just being perfect. It's also, you know, she has that love in her. Right. Yeah. And just Bart being an overall pest with that cranberry sauce scene, just (laughs) – I laughed at that. I took a (laughs) – just that he is so helpless in the kitchen. Uh huh. He he's causing more work than help. Yeah. Like his mom, it's broken. Mom, it's broken. <laughs> mom, that it's song. broken. Mom, it's broken. And well, and the fact that in the end he means well, but he's also not trying very hard. And isn't that just Bart right there? Is meaning well, but not trying very hard and messing it up in the end. Well, that's. I'm, I'll come back to this point at the end, but yeah, that he. At this point, he thinks he's helping, mm-hmm. and he has no idea that he's causing trouble, but the family's there for him. Like, Mar- yeah. Marge is playing along and making mm-hmm. him feel like he's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that Homer's favorite team is the Dallas Cowboys, because isn't that the same team he wanted to own and he told Frank Scorpio about? Is it? Yeah. Like, many – because he says, well, what's your dream? And he says, I always wanted to own the Dallas Cowboys. And then he ends up getting the Denver Broncos. Now that which, you say that, that sounds familiar. That's good continuity, though, because I don't – I I I'm not a sports person, so I don't – I just remember his, that quote specifically that, oh, I always wanted to own the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. And that they had this back in season two is pretty cool. 
I love continuity like that. Oh, yeah. I always say that's continuity you can take to the bank. (laughs) And Jesus Christ, Patty and Selma being legit jerks to Marge to her face. Well, I like how early off season two, they kind of show the source of where that comes from with their mom. Mm -hmm. That she's just basically disappointed already walking in the door. Yeah, you're right. Um, It definitely shows, like, Marge's mom is kind of the source of all this, just always in a sour mood. And how upbeat Marge is to see her, even though she knows mm-hmm. that's how she is and that's how she's going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and now we get to what I think is the highlight of the episode. My favorite part is hooray for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and my quote of the episode the Western Hemisphere, the most dancingest hemisphere of them all. It's true. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, I, I guess <laughs> it's the dancingest. And I, I kind of see this also as a precursor. Do you remember the halftime where it's like a salute to halftime itself? Yes. It, it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And there's actually a bit of the earworm in that, that we're dancing, dancing. Because, mm-hmm. like, later on that night, my wife walked by and was like, we're dancing. And it's such a short little part, but it catches on. But, you, you know, they had to, like, write out that melody, have someone sing it, like, mm-hmm. all the, everything that goes into prepping for something just mm-hmm. so short like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, one thing I took away from that scene that, again... It's weird looking through these shows analytically because I'm catching things that I always glossed over in the past. Yeah. And it's something that always was nagging at me when we'd go to concerts or different events when everyone's taking a picture and everyone has their flashes going. Oh, yeah. And in this, the um, the host says, the stadium is much too big for flash bulbs to work, but nobody seems to care. <laughs> yes. That and I'm like, that's, great. that's always bothered me, but I've never like vocalized it and just. For them to make it a gag joke, I just love it. Yep, yep. You know that that irked someone else, too, on the production right. team. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to turn my page. Turn tape over. Turn tape over. <laughs> We've given got a quote for that. <laughs> that might stay in. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, oh, now we're going to go to the, um, the old folks home with Grandpa. Mm-hmm. The turkey puree, I think I legit gave that to my cat last night. (laughs) (laughs) And the use of a fax machine, unironically. Well, also walking in, like, the scene itself is so sad, but just from the setup, there's Mm -hmm. a sign on the door that says, thank you for not discussing the outside world. Yeah, yeah. I think that comes back in a later episode, too. I think it's kind of a permanent fixture there. But yeah, just how everyone's so happy to get a fax that said, we wish we were there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's... Oh, yeah, that, that scene, honestly, it played for laughs, but it's also kind of sad laughs. Yeah. Oof. And I, it's interesting because for an episode called Bart versus Thanksgiving, Bart really isn't in it very much this far. He's kind of the, like, the pivot point, but everything mm-hmm. is around him. Yeah. Yeah, I found that really interesting. Lisa brings down her centerpiece as everyone sits to the table. And I loved Homer's line, that's the biggest one of those I ever saw. <laughs> like, and, and you can kind of see where Bart gets it from because Homer really wants to be supportive. 
but he just doesn't quite do it. He has that that over-enthusiastic voice where mm-hmm. he's he's genuinely trying to show interest. Oh yeah, he just does not know how. And that's and that's very sweet. Surprise, surprise. Bart ruins the centerpiece. I really liked that shot on Lisa as it burns. Her face is kind of like in the light of it. And there's like a pretty, pretty expressive shot there. I was focused on her scream that she has. Because mm-hmm. I've I've heard that scream from her before, but they don't overuse it. That's it's such a like raw, passionate scream mm-hmm. that they save it for those scenes where she really means it and just how much power was behind it. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, oof, you can, like, hear it. You can feel it in your heart a little like, bit. Like, she just lets loose. Like, yeah. Like, she's not Sweet Lisa anymore. She's... Yeah, she's not sugarcoating it. I am it. mad. Yeah. So, then Bart gets sent to his room, and Lisa plays a sad song on her sax. I feel like that's a situation that happens quite a bit, but this is the early season, so it's kind of... Setting that. And the, the awkwardness of everyone sitting there trying to eat while she's playing upstairs. And they make it really obvious, those two seats being empty, too. Right. It's like a lopsided, uneven table. Bart sneaks out his window, and I don't know if this is... I don't think this is the first time that's happened. No. Time-wise. I, yeah, I think he's been out before, and yeah. there's the planks are there. Like, he's, he, he's set up for it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think it's interesting, Santa's little helper gets kicked out at the same time and comes with him but he doesn't really do much and like he didn't have to come with him yeah i when i saw that scene i was trying to remember how does how does santa's little helper play into this but he's just kind of along for the ride and then mm-hmm. he's gone like does he make his way home yeah we don't see him again <laughs> i kind of think the writers were just sort of juggling ideas and they decided to have him come with and not really do much uh and then burns his feast where he just says, dispose of all this, and there's, like, so much food everywhere. <laughs> now, to take a step back a bit, I noticed something that, you know, I saw it and thought, oh, I should research this. Hmm. When he's walking up to Mr. Burns Manor, I mm-hmm. looked at the street signs oh. of where he's at. And he is at the intersection, I'm probably going to mispr- mispronounce this first one, uh, Cretius and Mammon. Hmm. Uh, Cretius was a, the king of Lydia. Said to have been one of the richest men on earth. Mm-hmm. And Mammon is, I mean, it was used a lot in the Bible and lots of different older texts. Um, but it's basically a term for wealth and often greed personified. Oh, my god! And that's where Mr. Burns lives. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people have looked that up. And you just, I know. I would have never thought to look that up. And I had to rewind, pause, rewind, because it was on mm-hmm. for just a split second. And mm-hmm. just... That they throw those little things. I wonder how many hundreds of things I have yet to see. To think, too, this was aired in 1990. And if, you know, if you even had a VCR then, you would have had to record it and then pause it during that scene. And It does that weird bit of static and it's hard to see. Like Like so many Easter eggs that we think of now, but back then it was hard to record and replay things like that. So it's really something they put those things in. Also, is this the first release The Hounds? It I'm, may be, because yeah. we don't really see Burns Manor much until later yeah. in the series. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. And no robotic Richard Simmons, unfortunately. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I love the whole scene transition of Bart literally wandering to the wrong side of the tracks. 
And that was something I'd never right. noticed before. He literally crosses the train tracks and it goes from Burns Manor to the wrong side of town. And then he even says, oh, we're on the wrong side of the tracks. Yep. And yep. just some of the things that are there, like I noticed there was a shop that said massage parlor and massages in quotes. Oh, my like God. Like just the, <laughs> the very obvious what it really is. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Crackton. <laughs> Should have gotten off of Crackton. At the oh yeah, so this was what I was thinking of before um, with Marge's mother having laryngitis and saying, "At the risk of losing my voice, let me say one more thing. I'm sorry I came." Oh, such a like a <laughs> emotional gut punch. Yeah, and it's like you can barely speak. This is the most important thing I have to say. I'm sorry I came. That is just so depressing on so many levels. <laughs> Bart donates his blood to make money and passes out. Yes. That's the thing that happens. And it's a surprisingly short scene, you know, even though it's like a turning point in the episode. The stereotypical passed out on the street. Oh, yeah. One thing I did find on that blood donation scene, because it did seem a bit odd. Like he walks in, there's a still shot on it, and there's a bit of talking back and forth. Mm -hmm. I guess originally there was supposed to be a scene indoors with the blood donation, where they go through like a minute or two of it. Oh. And because of time constraints, being on television, they had to cut that out of the script. Oh. But they still want to be part of the story. So that's why you have that back and forth interaction with that lady that has like mm-hmm. two lines. Yep. It's just a, a still shot. They just didn't produce the animation yeah. for that scene. Oh, that's interesting. I was wondering if they would have had some sort of trouble showing that, showing a minor donating blood that's what i thought when i first watched it too yeah like like it seemed it stood out as odd how it was presented in those 20 seconds yeah yeah huh that's interesting all right and then you have these strangers that come up to him and they take him to a soup kitchen and this is like the very very obvious moral center of the episode where there's like a turning point and it's very I don't know how else to put it. Non-transparent. Well, how here's the lesson. <laughs> and how Kent Brockman is talking about, well, here we are on Thanksgiving, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it kind of makes itself overtly obvious what the core moral of this episode is, where Bart's going to get his turning point. And then, of course, Lisa gets up and tries to say her poem that she's been heartfelt writing upstairs while crying and playing her sax and of course it's bard on tv (laughs) it's like oh man she just cannot catch a break this episode and of course that famous the famous famous quote operator get me the number for 911 i didn't even have to write that one down (laughs) i remember that one i didn't realize that was in this episode i always thought that was maybe a season six to eight sort of quote but i was a little surprised knowing Finding out that that was in a second season episode. We have all these hundreds of quotes in our head, but we they're all floating. We can't associate them with <laughs> specific episodes. They have no anchors to keep them staying still. So uh, Bart sees how the homeless people live and gets a change of heart. Oh, here we have... Did you notice anything weird about the police officers? Yes. Yes! Okay, <laughs> we were actually talking... We didn't want to talk about the episode before we started talking and recording. So I was like... Um, there's something I noticed about this episode, but I can't tell you until we're recording. <laughs> it's it's funny on our way driving in, because we drove together, mm-hmm. how we started talking about the episodes we had both watched. And yeah. How I just had to say, you know what, we need to stop because yep. 
we're going to talk everything through on this ride and we're not going to have anything left. We need natural (laughs) reactions to each other. So were Lou and Eddie's voices swapped or were, I I know that Lou sounded like Eddie. I feel like Lou was just someone completely different. Yeah. And one of them was the other. I can't remember which one was who. But one of them had a new voice, and then the other one had the other person's normal voice. And it's if you go back and watch that scene, there there was some, con- I wouldn't say confusion, but some experimenting going on with who's going to voice who. And obviously, Lou and Eddie, they're pretty minor characters. I actually had to look up what Eddie's name was, because I knew who Lou was. But I was the other way. I, I actually knew Lou and Eddie, but I forgot who was who. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's interesting. If you go back, it's almost like a, you know, a Mr. Smithers being black sort of thing. Like, With his blue hair. Yeah. Like they, they were just like, well, well, let's just switch this. And it's like, okay. Well, it's interesting because you get that in a lot of shows where, you know, continuity is kind of fluid in season one. Yeah. There's yeah. things like, you know, Star Trek, there's some things that don't quite fit into the rest of the the seasons. But this is well into season two. Yeah. That we still have yeah. some of those gaps in continuity yeah so i think this is about when oh yeah this is about when the extended family leaves and um, my wife actually mentioned wow i forgot how much of a b-word marge's mom is (laughs) and she really is which is she's such a minor character she doesn't show up a whole lot and when she does she's just always grumpy and mad at everything (laughs) We never see her smile that I can remember. No, I can't remember either. And yeah, she's she's a very oddball character. I'd love to do an episode on her sometime because she does have sort of a fleeting presence where she shows up and she leaves and is kind of just all over the place. And she's she's a little interesting there. And I actually I watched a YouTube episode from it's called The Simpsons Theory, I believe. They had an episode about the scariest moments in Simpsons episodes that weren't Treehouse of Horror, I think. And one of them was this moment where Bart's imagining all of the people yelling at him coming back in. And there's those weird camera angles. Like everyone's looking down on him. Yeah. And I can see how that could be frightening. And it's all like Bart's perception and just how his brain is wired. Mm-hmm. Like it's these things aren't actually happening to him. It's it's how he's imagining people will react to him and just how he thinks through his life mm-hmm. kind of gives you some perspective into his character. Yeah, it, it is a pretty good perspective, especially I mean like both of us were pretty good kids. We were pretty like Well, I was. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I I feel like I I don't – I feel like Bart's one of the people I would probably relate with the least in the show. But I can kind of just understand where his brain is trying to process this and just thinking this isn't him doing something bad and getting blamed for it. It's him getting blamed for everything in his head. Right. And that ha- that's how he's interpreting it. And it's – I feel like it's a good character growth for him just to understand – just just to be able to be in his shoes for a little bit and understand how he's seeing this. Right. So uh, Bart goes ahead and gets on the roof and finds all these toys that he's left up there, which is interesting. How come nobody's hearing his footsteps on the roof? I thought that, and the way even Lisa jumped up there was so practiced, like it had been done before, Mm -hmm. that if I saw my kid on the roof, uh, 
<laughs> I'd be freaking out. Yes. Even if she was just standing up there, let alone throwing a football yeah. back and forth. And, and your kid's older than Bart and Lisa. Right. So, um, If I yeah. saw you running on the roof, I'd be freaking out. You'd be like, eh, she's doing it again. And well, I feel like 90s shows had a thing. Did 90s shows have a thing about going on the roof or is it just Simpsons and Third Rock from the Sun? It's funny because that's the first thing I thought it was Third Rock from the Sun. Because <laughs> to me, going on the roof, like you got to put an effort into that. I feel like there's another show where they did that several times, and I'm yeah it's escaping me what what show that is. And if you think about it, too, they have a two story house. That's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I get a little nervous going on top of my one story house, and to be a kid going up there. But I mean, obviously, this is a cartoon; they can bend the rules, but. It's really interesting. And then they have this whole heartfelt conversation on the roof. And I like how Bart doesn't get it right away. He doesn't right. turn on a dime. It's very natural how Lisa sort of gives him this aha moment. And it's also Lisa being not super accusatory to him that allows him that space to to get that aha moment. Which... I mean, they're eternally the same age, but Lisa's, yeah. what, eight, seven? Like I think Lisa's seven and Bart's eight. That, Yeah, that's a very big move for her to yeah. kind of let Bart make that realization on his own. Yeah, and, very mature of her because she's got every right to be pissed off at him. But she's they also show she's being worried about him as well. And I bring it back to what I mentioned, like in the kitchen with the cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. He was truly trying to do his thing, and he mm-hmm. didn't get that he was being more trouble than help. Yeah. And coming back here, he felt really justified in that everyone's against him. He wasn't at fault. And then at this moment on the roof, he just has that realization and it clicks mm-hmm. where it's like, and then once he realizes it, he doesn't drag his feet. He doesn't try to justify it. He confronts it head on. Yeah. And that's, I, I like that about the Bart and Lisa dynamic that, that there's this sort of ebb and flow that they both sort of – they're like a little bit like rubber bands that can stretch to accommodate each other's very different personalities, but yet can still get along a lot of the time. And no matter how much Bart may torture Lisa or either through direct action or involuntarily hurt her, yeah. he does care about her. Yeah. He's, yeah. Al- he's always going to watch out for her. Yeah, And then you've got that really sweet ending where they're all – it's sort of – late night and they're all eating their Thanksgiving dinner late at night together. And it's, it's, it's kind of a good symbolism just for the family as a whole that they might do, they might not do things the way everyone does, but they do do them in a loving way and they might mess up in the middle, but they eventually come back together and, right. and, you know, have a nice dinner. Yeah. And they, I think it what was it like almost midnight or something and they were all, Eating, sitting around eating leftovers and, yeah, yeah. you know, even though they didn't have it co- a conventional way, they still had their Thanksgiving together. And ain't that just the Simpsons? Yep. Yeah. So is, is that about it for you? That's all my notes. I, I think I feel happy. We hit all my notes that I wrote down. So. And you know what? I, at least I was thinking about 30 minutes per episode. This is our first episode. So, you know. Uh, we just now exactly made 30 minutes. Hey, we're right on. Yep. So maybe a little bit different for you after we do our edits. But yeah, this is, I'm, I'm having a good time with this. We're going to do two of these episodes back to back. They'll, they'll probably release at different times, though. Um, this is expected to be our first episode. And 
I feel pretty good about I, it. I had fun. I, yeah. I was a bit nervous going in, but once we got two, three minutes in, it was yeah. just us talking. And I hope you all enjoy as well. And um, yeah, we're the Simpson siblings, and we hope you uh, come join us again soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.